G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. My Christian faith has been a critical part of cultivating hope. Special needs are complex and nothing is too complex for God. And trusting God in that gives hope. Are you a parent or a caregiver of a child with additional needs? Or a friend of someone who is and would like to know how better to support them? Today's guest is Lisa Williams, author of Hope Wins, written from her own experiences of raising a child with special needs and finding hope and a purpose and meaningful life amidst the challenges. That's Lisa Williams, our guest today with my wife Kate and myself Brett Ryan for Focus on the Family Australia. And special thanks to One Way FM in Canberra for recording our guest side of the story while we're here in Melbourne. Well, welcome, Lisa, to the program. Thank you. It's good to be here. Tell us a bit about you and your family. Well, I'm married to Ian and I have three adult children and a beautiful daughter-in-law. We had really just an average Australian family who love, you know, swimming, bushwalking, doing life together. However, our family has had some twists and turns that other families may or may not have or could identify with in that our youngest son, Justin, who's now 20, he, um, when he was about 15 months old, was diagnosed with autism and developmental delay. When my mother-in-law actually discovered that his eye had turned one day and said, I'm just a bit concerned about his eye, maybe you should get it checked out. When we went to the eye doctor, he said, I think you should go and see a paediatrician because his eyes got strabismus and he will need glasses, but he doesn't look like how he should be presenting for a 15-month-old. We were a little shocked because being our third child, we were just taking things and going with the flow. He wasn't crawling. He was just sliding on the floor on his belly. He didn't really have much language, but people had just reassured us and we felt reassured from our past experience of raising two other children that he was just slow and he'd catch up. When we went to the paediatrician, we were shocked one day to actually receive the diagnosis, but also the paediatrician said to us that it's most likely that he will not develop like other children, that his mind could remain or would remain like a 15-month-old and other children would be going up and growing and developing, but Justin probably would actually not maybe speak or even walk the way others would and um, that we would need to go on a different route with him on a special needs journey with him. So how did you take that information, Lisa? Take us back to that moment when you're hearing this information from the paediatrician, you and your husband, and you're hearing that your son isn't typical and there's going to be some challenges that are lifelong. I think both of us were shocked and we were grief stricken. It just came so far out of the left field and obviously we wanted to do everything for him to give him the best chance to get the therapy and the help and I guess we were blessed because his eye gave it away that he wasn't developing. So 
that meant we actually got to get into therapists and get the help earlier than many other families do with their children because sometimes autism isn't diagnosed till they're four or five. So early intervention is very good in this case. Yes, but I also, I love Jesus and my Christian faith is everything to me. And I was like, God, will you heal him? Because I think that is something as a Christian we grapple with. God and healing. Mm. And I went down to yeah. our church and my husband was there. And one Sunday after the service with the pastor, we prayed Hannah's prayer. And I remember holding him and saying, Lord, if you will heal my son, I give him to you all the days of his life. And what I didn't expect in that moment was that he hasn't been healed, inverted commas, the way I thought. And so that's where my book is going to talk about hope and healing and can you have hope if your child is not healed. But what did happen is Justin developed a deep love of Jesus from a very young age because he did actually learn to talk with speech therapists coming into our house two or three times a week. My book talks about just the enormous amount of teams, me managing up to 15 people at one time, and I still do, like running a small business just so that he can be where he needs to be and get the support that he needs. So he did talk. And when he could start to talk from a young age, he said, I want to be a pastor. This is a journey that we've been on with him now for the last 10 years. Now, I should add to people listening to this is every child or every person who is on the autism spectrum, they're all different. You meet one child on the ASD, you meet one child. They're not one size fits all. And everyone is very unique, like we are all unique in God's eyes. But when it comes to additional needs or special needs, and there's lots of different words that we have to be very careful that sometimes people use a a differently abled. We want to be inclusive in our language. But for today, we're going to be referring to a special needs child. But Autism is one part of a spectrum of multiple different special needs. It could be someone who has cerebral palsy, someone who has got a mental disability or a physical or a a heart defect or anything. You have been on a steep learning curve. We're going to be referring to your story with Justin on a child with autism. So take us back going into the church, asking for prayer and discovering that God doesn't always answer the prayers the way that we want them to be. Yes. So it takes me back onto my journey, which is why my book, Hope Wins, the first four chapters, or I call part one, is really about some of my story to set the scene. Because what it did was it really challenged my faith and trust in God. So it was a more of a theology type confrontation, really, because we you know, can put God into a box, can't we? Correct. And I um, then was volunteering at times what felt like nearly full-time in my church and mm-hmm. um, working part-time in my school. And I um, had found a lot of my value and worth without realising in what I did for God. When you have a child with special needs it changes and rocks your life in such a way that you can no longer do what you once did. Because if you're managing these teams of 15 people and you've got appointments coming out of your ears, then you just can't do it all. It was in those moments that I guess I allowed God to strip me because I was breaking and to Mm. say, God, maybe I don't trust you the way that I have thought I trusted you. And I started on a journey and my husband started on a journey too, both of us, 
of inner healing and really coming before God and seeking him to bring healing to us in our brokenness because in the grief, in the, I guess, denial, in the we can keep living life the way we want to live our lives, we can keep the same goals and dreams and hopes that we always thought we would have, we came to a point where we just had to lay everything down. That would have been very confronting. And as a husband and wife, you had to do that. But how did that play out with your other children? How did they handle that or you even manage that? Well, we've always tried to invest equally in all of our kids, but the reality was that our other two children did at times feel like they were on the back burner. We actually had to seek a lot of help from other people in the body of Christ and through counselling and a healing ministry to basically walk with us. God really gave us people as his hands and feet to help us during the season for quite a few years. We laid down our ministries at our church that we were attending at that time and we went to a different church where we could actually just be. And that church was very healing because the pastor of that church, which we are currently in today, did not say you have to go and serve on the Kids Way roster or be on the cafe or whatever. They just Mm. accepted us for who we were while we even accessed other ministries in the body of Christ to walk with us. I think it saved our marriage because I don't know that we would be where we are today in our marriage or our family if we hadn't have reached out for that help. This is all-consuming, not only trying to be a parent, trying to learn how to support your son, but it can also place an enormous stress on your relationship. Take us, if you're happy to share, just what had happened in your marriage during this journey. Well, I think there are times where my husband and I blamed each other. We had different also expectations about how much time out we needed to rest and recoup from the intense needs within the family. My husband loves his hobbies and so he would feel like he would need to go and take time out fishing or metal detecting or walking the mountains or whatever and I would feel I couldn't leave the kids. And so we would then come into conflict and in those early days we didn't have the funding or the support in place. So it was really on us and I also struggled to, I guess, let go and think I could do self-care and look after me. My husband was much more attuned to saying, we need to do self-care. And it took me a lot longer to come to that same place. Yeah, because, I, I mean, you can only give out as much as you're healthy. Yes. And I think for me, I struggled stepping back um, from community and being involved in church the way I had before because I had found a lot of fulfilment in my service in the church. And then I felt very isolated and it's like out of sight, out of mind. If you're no longer in the ladies' Bible study group or if you're not able to be part of the worship team on a Sunday morning, then you're not seen anymore. And that was hard. And I don't think people, please hear me say this, are doing this on purpose. It's just that you're not aware if you don't have these needs in your family. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I think churches struggle with how to assist or help or support families with children with additional needs or special needs. And 
I know people can be well-meaning and they say things that can be quite hurtful, but what are some advice that you would give a church in relation to this area? Because I know that churches want to do it better. Uh, They just don't know how. So what's some advice that you would give? I think it's the unconditional love and acceptance and being willing to be flexible when that is required. And there is this tension within the body of Christ, I feel, from my personal experience, in that as Christians, we are there to serve others. And Jesus calls us to be servants and to give and to lay our lives down for others. And so we put ourselves before others and others' needs before ourselves. When you have people with special needs in your church or in your family, it becomes about the individual to a large extent. Mm. And I'm discovering, I think it's a blend between the individual and the collective, Because you do have to make these sacrifices. So in a church, it could be as simple as I can remember a situation with a family in my other church where their kids would just run out onto the road after the service. I'm talking about little ones here. And our church put locks on the front door so that that family could enjoy a cup of coffee after the service. Because one day, you know, the child was found in the middle of the road kind of thing. It's just like being flexible or having fences and gates and things so that you're not the family that always has to rush off. Um, My son, for example, will jump up and down and flap in the middle of our church services, even if the pastor is giving a sermon. But nobody blinks an eyelid. Like Not one time has anyone come up and said, could you ask him to be quiet or could he please sit down? That's wonderful. It is. I think... The more inclusive we can be like this and not think this is how you should be behaving or the Bible says you should be doing this and your family doesn't look like that, by not placing, I guess, a judgment or an expectation, it also allows the family to heal. And when you come into church more relaxed and you feel accepted and loved for who you are, it actually means some of the behaviours do settle as well. So the stress is decreased and you can just be, as you were saying before, and I have had a lot of experience running a children's ministry with children with special needs. And it was one of the greatest gifts that we gave to parents as an opportunity for them just to come to church, be filled and be able to receive and to be ministered to because Let's face it, trying to um, attend to some children 24-7 is all-consuming, exhausting. And if the church can give that sense of relief for a short period of time, it can be like you're giving them liquid gold. You know, that process of inclusivity within a children's program. And I think a lot of times what happens in churches is if you've got a special needs child, they say that you then have to stay with that child. And whilst that's lovely for the child the parent doesn't have that opportunity to be ministered to. Yes, because the rejection, the isolation, the abandonment, all those feelings Mm. are not just what the child feels and maybe the child, depending on their level of special need, is aware or not aware of it. Yeah, The family actually becomes isolated and often it's not just all about the child but it's about what happens to the family and they can easily become disconnected. Our guest today is Lisa Williams, the author of Hope Wins. 
as a donor-supported ministry, I would invite you to go to our website at families.org.au and donate so that we can continue to help more Australian families like yours to thrive. The Word for Today is Australia's most widely read daily devotional, designed to give you practical teaching to keep you focused on your relationship with Jesus. Read it online or subscribe to the free printed edition at thewordfortoday.com.au. Welcome back to Focus on the Family Australia. I'm Brett Ryan. Today's guest is Lisa Williams, author of Hope Wins, written from her own experiences of raising a child with special needs and finding hope and a purpose and meaningful life amidst the challenges. You mentioned about the feeling isolated. A lot of it stems from our language and what we say. And Kate mentioned it a little bit earlier about, you know, people have the best intentions, but they can say things that aren't helpful. During your journey, have you had people who say things that have not been helpful? Yes, I think it's just, for me, it's the separation. It's like you can go and have coffee with the special needs mums. And this is probably, for me, the fight that I've been on, that I'm raising in Hope Wins, is I love special needs mums and I don't want anyone to hear any rejection. But I also want to remain connected with mainstream mums and families and in the workplace. I don't want to be put into a separate group because that's now my son is in this group, but you are now in this group. And so I want to be invited and I want to be included in your coffee outings or in the groups that things that are happening. Because often I think what happened is that people didn't invite or include me, not because they weren't willing, but they thought I'd be too busy. Never assume. <laughs> that's that's the thing. They think, oh, she's not going to have time. She's so inundated. And will it be more hurtful for her to hear that we're going out and she can't come? Yes. So is it, is it easier just for us to go and just not invite her? And, and we think it's because they don't want us but really sometimes it is the reverse. They don't want to hurt you by saying we're going out and doing this and we don't want to kind of rub that in her face if she can't come. I think someone was saying they've just done a cert three or four in disability services and they talk about this, how that pity is put onto the families who have a child with special needs. But I actually don't want to be pitied. Sometimes it's almost like I'm being looked upon like I have a disability or people think, oh, I don't know how you do it. And I also find it hard if people come up and pat me on the shoulder and go, there, there, I don't know how you do it. Because I'm a capable, bright, fun-loving, I hope, woman who wants to have a, or does have a professional career and develop myself just as much as any other woman. I think the assumption there is that God made a mistake and now you're having to pick it up. And God doesn't make mistakes. That's right. So really, he's given you everything you need to develop this young man into the you know plan and purpose he has for him. I mean, he's he said he's given us a plan and a purpose for hope, you know, to prosper us, not to harm us. And that includes everybody. It doesn't say children with additional needs or adults with additional needs. When people say things like that, I think it's more out of a, I don't think I could do it. 
I actually think you're extraordinary. But we can take it, I think, the other way around. As you've journeyed through this as a family and you've said it's been difficult, what have you found uh, something that has worked successfully as far as trying to help develop greater empathy with your son or there's the family? What has worked successfully for you? Well, probably one of the biggest turning points for us was pets and pet therapy. And we actually qualified and most special needs families will qualify for a therapy dog through one of the many wonderful therapy companion services that we have in our country. We applied for one quite a number of years ago and she just made, she was a golden Labrador and made the biggest difference to our lives because having a pet actually develops empathy. It also brought healing to the other two children as well because everybody loved this dog. And instead of there being points of differences and conflict between siblings or feelings of jealousy or just all the struggles that go with having the needs in the family, Mm. we could actually all pour into loving this dog. And we've now gone on to have other dogs. We don't have that dog with us anymore. She sadly passed away and that's again talked about in the book, the journey with her and the other pets. But what it has done is it means that you actually have to think of someone other than yourself and your own pain, your own self-pity or how somebody might have responded to you. The person with the special needs, often that dog will go up and just snuggle into them or lick them or they have to walk them. Like we took Justin down to dog club and he did a lot of training with Gertie. She was just so good for him and for the others in our family, for all of us. That was just invaluable to him actually coming out of himself. And the other thing is when you have a dog and you're out in the community, people talk to you. It's an icebreaker. It is. And so you can say hello when you greet people, when you're out walking. You can take those animals on holidays with you. Our country is becoming much more inclusive of pet therapy animals. When you go on a holiday, we'd take her to the beach with us. She'd come and stay in caravan parks with us. If you get the right kind of pet, you can have a vest and they can go into the shopping centre with you. There's just so much healing, I think, that happens through pets. And as we come to the close, how has your faith helped you or made the difference in your life as you've navigated this journey? Well, my Christian faith has been absolutely a critical part of cultivating hope and Really, the essence of that is me learning to trust much more deeply in God. Special needs are complex and nothing is too complex for God. And trusting God in that gives hope. I've had to, as I said before, separate out what is hope and healing and my expectations of what a hope-filled future looks like. And that Mm -hmm. will be, like you said, every family situation, every special needs child is unique. And so my hope-filled future is going to look very different to another listener's hope-filled future with their child. But it doesn't mean it's any less valid. And I deeply don't want anyone to read my book and go, but I'm never going to be like Lisa. Look at her. Look where her son is. Because God knows where you are, where your child is and where your family is. And for me, it's been built on having that deep, intimate relationship and coming to know God as my heavenly father. And that as I've grown in that intimacy with him through my own journey of healing and counselling, it's enabled me then to trust him with my family's future. 
and that I can really look at him, at Jesus, to outwork the plans in my life and in Justin's life, my other children's lives and my husband's life. And as I trust him with that, no matter what my circumstances look like, the future is full of hope because I know that my Heavenly Father has my back. Might not be exactly what I thought or what I expected, but I know it will be good. And he hasn't let us down. And I see how right when I mentioned that prayer of Hannah that was prayed at the beginning, I see it being outworked now as Justin now is studying online Bible college and wow. he interns at our church. He's down at our church today working towards a youth conference, part of the team, not as a participant, but he's part of the team. So that hope comes when in God's economy, we're not just spectators, you know, we're participants. He loves us. He has a future for us and he doesn't just sideline us. And that's the hope that we have in Christ. And that's what I think the hope the body of Christ brings to special needs families. Well, thanks, Lisa, for sharing with us today. You're very welcome. Today's guest was Lisa Williams, the author of Hope Wins. Her website is lisawilliamsauthor.com, and that's Lisa, L-E-I-S-A. For more information on raising special needs children, you can go to our website at families.org.au. And while you're there, you can sign up for our free e-newsletter or check us out on Facebook or YouTube. And thanks for joining us today. I'm Brett Ryan. On behalf of Kate and the rest of the team, we look forward to you tuning in again for another edition of Focus on the Family Australia. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.